Boker Tov, Boker Tov. Good morning, everybody. This is Avi Ablo here in the eternal and ancestral homeland of the Jewish people, the land of Israel, in our eternal and undivided capital, Jerusalem. Very, very special and interesting guest talking about a crucial issue. Issue. Simcha Rotman. Boker Tov. Hi, Boker Tov. How are you? Baruch Hashem. Um, people who follow me know that uh, I have been vocal about the judicial coup that has been taking place in Israel for decades, that the, the Supreme Court Justice, Aaron, former Supreme Court Justice Aaron Barak started and has been pulling the, the strings behind the scenes for years. Uh, you have much more information than me on all this and what's really going on, details, why it's important. So first, tell us, so who are you and what is this organization that you set up, Mishilut? Mishilut. And why is it so important? Okay, so I'm a lawyer. So that's, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's why he has more information pro- than I do. Ah, that's a problem. In, is- in Israel, there's so many lawyers, so it's not so unique. But, uh, but uh, I'm a lawyer and, two year- and seven years ago, we started Mishilut. Uh, the organization uh, that aimed to change the problem. As you said, the problem is already taking place since the 80s. So, so it's, not, uh, it's not a new problem, but it's a new solution. And Mishidu tries yeah. to offer a new solution. In the past seven years, what we have done is uh, research to figure out where the problem lies exactly, because everyone can say, oh, the Supreme Court does this, does that, but you need to fix the system, you need... Uh, information you need uh, details exactly exactly the thing that because because um, we discovered very interesting uh, issues that we didn't think of when we started because because of this complicated and behind uh, behind the scenes uh, operation um, so that's what we've done research and then uh, trying to um, educate the public and the elected officials on the problems and on the solutions. We also try to figure out solutions from around the world, from Israel, and uh, uh, and um, get the public awareness um, in social media, in Twitter, in Facebook. We're, we're trying in the website. We're trying to to make this uh, happen. And when F- everything is falling into the place, and and uh, and the minister or a Knesset member wants the solution, we will help him or her draft the solution either it will be it will be a, a, a bill of legislation it will be uh, um, something in the government either it will be a, 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 um, just a legal opinion that can help him to 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 solve the problem so that's what we did in the last seven years we've seen we've seen some success uh, we see we start seeing um, walking towards the solution we know that um, for the first time, I, w- I would say, ever uh, um, um, restrained uh, judge was appointed, what you would call a conservative judge in the, in the U.S. Why do you call him uh, restrained? Kilo restrained, not, not an active judge? That's yeah. what you mean? Not an activist the judge. Opposite right, so activism. The, the, the opposite of activism. calling him restrained. Conservative. Yeah. I got you. you I, can, I, I say, in the U.S., you would say conservative. Right. In Israel, conservatism is not so not much... the same. It's not even not the same... The term really does not exist. We are right. trying to introduce conservatism into Israeli judiciary. Interesting. But but the term really does not exist. We are trying to to build it. That we are doing it through Mishilut and through other ways of operation. But but we're talking about if you're an activist or restrained. I don't like the this term, and I really want to introduce the conservative. But people in Israel right. don't really understand what does it mean to be a conservative judge. So that that's what we 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 are doing. And and the most important thing is that people really don't understand how thorough the 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 legal uh, establishment and it's not it's not only bagats it's not it's not only the Supreme Court and it's the Supreme Court and the legal advisory and like it's clothing from all over and the prosecutor's office and the the, the Department of, of Supreme Court uh, petitions. That's supposed to defend the government, etc., etc. Exactly, and it's all working somehow together. And and when we talk about, you spoke about Aaron Barak, and the problem really started with Aaron Barak, and maybe a little bit with his uh, predecessor, predecessor well. Shamgar, uh, who was on, also he was basically um, ruining the idea that you need to have a legal standing. To, to go to the Supreme Court. He accepted people without legal standing to go, to, and you can petition to the court in Israel on everything. But And so people don't really understand how, how 
uh, th this problem. And people ask me, why do you talk about Aaron Barak? Aaron Barak is already not in the Supreme Court for the past 15 years. Right. Why, why are you still... Why it's old news, Simcha. Why bring him up? Yeah, it's old news. And I was asked this question and I told, you know what, bring me someone, one person, in all the Israeli legal establishment, one person that would say what Aaron Barak did to the Supreme Court of Israel is an abomination, is something you shouldn't ever have considered to do. That um, this idea, as you said, in the U.S. you talk about conservative judges, you have 5-4, 4-5, 6-3, it's, it's a split, it's a debate, people talk about it. Okay, uh, what kind of a judge will you be, right? In Israel there is no debate. If you are part of the legal establishment in Israel, it means you are a supporter of Aaron Barak ideas of, of jurisprudence, mm. how the court should work. And that's the real problem, that's what we want to change. So, so that's... Uh, that's why it's so important. Aaron Barak is, is, the, is the person, but it's also the, the method that it's so extreme. It exists in other places in the world, but it's always an extreme end. In Israel, everyone is in this extreme end, and there is small pockets of, of, uh, of, resistance, of resistance outside of the establishment. But in the establishment, you cannot find someone speaking with his face, you can see who speaks, you can see people write uh, right. secretly, but if you want people to stand in front of a camera and stand in, uh, in front of a microphone and say what Aaron Bach did is not a good thing to the Israeli justice system. So I, I want to take you a step back, because I've actually been following this for, for, for years, uh, due to my own political uh, activism in Israel trying to improve the system. And I'm going to say something which I believe you would agree with. I don't always have the facts to back it up, even though I know enough. But I want to hear your feedback of it. And again, when I tell people, listen, we have to write for the right parties in Israel to make the changes necessary to better Israel. But the, the one thing stopping Israel from truly making the changes necessary to enforce the policies we are voting in, if we vote Likud or we vote right wing... Well, if we don't make the changes to the judicial system, we can't make the, ch the policy changes we want at the executive or legislative level. Because whether it is the, um, uh, the attorney generals of, of offices telling the ministers, no, sorry, that won't pass bagats. I'm not going to let you bring this bill onto the floor. Or even it gets to the floor. Then you have all these, these, these organizations that, for whatever reason, only in Israel, even though they have no connection to a case, they're allowed to petition this Supreme Court. And then because of the makeup, which is more Aaron Barak, activist judges, they knock down every single policy or law that's even passed that doesn't go according to their medidati, uh, what's that, uh, whatever, all their, their, their legal mumbo-jumbo language. So, again, from my perspective, from what I know, and I don't have all the facts to show it, and I'm, I guess I'm looking for you to say it, it's so hard to convince the public of this um, that, yes, the only way we are seriously going to have a uh, policy that we want when we vote in a right-wing government is if we make the changes that will allow the... Um, uh, the separation of powers be equalized once again because right now the judicial coup is that the judicial system, including all of the sectors, have more have usurped the powers of the executive and the, legis the legislative. And my problem is, yeah, not enough people understand because there's so much out there and so much hypocrisy that people don't even want to agree, don't want to accept yeah, or so, believe. So, so that's one of the reasons, one of the main reasons that I wrote uh, my book, Mifleget Bagat. Let's let's, let's show, show it. Show it. Okay. Yeah, so here's the book that Simcha wrote, Mifleget Bagat. Again, for those who do not know Hebrew, Mifleget is a party. Bagatz is the Supreme Court, so Simcha is trying to make a, a, a joke out of a very sad situation that the Supreme Court has turned itself into a political party. In a yeah, sense, and right? the That's English name is the ruling party of the of, of Bagatz, the, the ruling, ruling party, party of the. It's it's actually the ruling party in Israel for the last forty years. Right. is not the Knesset. Right, I mean, no matter who we vote in, they are. This is the party that ends up setting the tone and knocking down laws or allowing laws that go according to. Their policy, exactly. not according to the people of the democracy uh, of Israel. Exactly. So, so the the book uh, starts with one simple example: that people, even people that know what happened in Israel, 
did not really understood what's going on. It's the um, housing prices. I know a lot of people, even from the U.S., from abroad, they care about housing prices in Israel because a lot of people have some, some uh, uh, an, uh, an extra house in Israel, right? And the prices went up and up and up in the last decade, in the last 15 years, right? And why? Why did the prices went up? No one knows. There was a, there was a state controller uh, um, report trying to figure out what were the reasons for this, this uh, uh, price uh, um, that going rise. up, the price rise is going up. And, and uh, people don't remember that between, in, in the 90s, Israel accepted million uh, olim from Russia, from, Russia from, from the former Soviet Union, right? So everyone who knows basic econo economics knows that if you have more demand, the prices should go up, right? And in this, this decade, even though we had a million more people in a very small country, it's not like in the U.S., oh, one, mil one more million, it's, it's a year, right? Here, a million, it's like, whoa, it's a quarter, a fifth. It's a big, it's a big number. And they're all coming, and they need the houses. But to a population of six million, all of a sudden, one million. One million extra. To our it's total a lot. Population of the country. It's a lot. Right. And the prices went down. The prices did not go up in this year, in this decade. Why? Because the the system in Israel. We have a lot of problem with the way the land laws in Israel are built, but. The supply, we had more supply than the demand. We, we built a lot more supply, and the prices went down, even though we had a million more people. And the decade after, without this big, big uh, aliyah uh, wave coming, the prices went up. And the reason is because the Supreme Court said, oh, you cannot have more land being uh, uh, changed, rezoned from uh, agriculture land to building land. And, and the reasons were extreme, 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 I would say, progressive, left-wing. You can, you can choose your term, exactly. But it was because of a petitioner coming from the extreme, extreme left. People that their ideology, the written ideology said that anything you, Israel does to the land is something bad because we took all this land from the Arabs and we need to return the land to the Arabs. And you're talking about building in what people call within the 1967 borders. Yeah, I'm not talking about... Israel talking about, proper, which we I, hate using that language, but that, not I'm talking scenario. building near Tel Aviv. I'm talking in the north, in the south, near Modi'in. I never even knew this piece of information. So, and, and, and these people said, oh, you cannot... You cannot rezone the land from agriculture to building because the reason was it's not uh, distributive justice. Because when you 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 rezone land, the people who gain from it are the people from the moshav or from the kibbutz that the land was was built, and it should go to the Arabs one side, and it should go to the people in in the. Um, Hayarot uh, pituach. What was development the, the, like? People who are. Uh, so that was the claim. It was extreme, extreme uh, left-wing um, organization that appealed to the Supreme Court and cancelled the decision of the uh, of the of basically of the government on this land. This stopped land development from 2002 to 2016. This simple decision that the court did. Now, what you do when you have a cut on the supply? Prices, prices are rise. rising, right? So the prices, a major reason. For the, the re there are other reasons, but this is, I think, the major reason that the prices went up in, is this uh, decision okay, made by the, the wow. court with zero, that's the problem, with zero accountability. If you would have known that, if, if, if a prime minister would, get would take this decision, you would vote him out. Exactly. You would say, what a stupid decision did you take? Did right. you think that if you will not rezone land, that suddenly people in the negative will become richer? No, they will pay more for their they will, can, will become poorer, right? But that's the decision the court did, and we did not pay the public price. Right. So this book is also to make this clear to people. Accountability for the court, and accountability for the legal advisors, and accountability for the whole justice system, it will make better Israel. Whatever, war whatever your political views are, the left, if, if your goal is to disrupt, the, disrupt Israel, okay, that's one thing. But if your goal is anything, 
but disrupting Israel, you wouldn't want the Supreme Court dealing with the land laws in Israel. You want a legislator, you want to fix it, you want to rethink it, revisit it. Something that you cannot do once you have a ruling by the Supreme Court. So since you already brought the, the, this is something new. I never heard that a Supreme Court ruling that is one of the reasons for the housing, uh, the the house, the consistent uh, housing prices, uh, the rise in housing prices. I want to ask you about another one, which I think will talk to people, if if, if that's okay with you. Uh, the and I'm talking about the illegal migrants. Okay, oh. from uh, from what I, again from from the little I know, the Israel Israel's Parliament Knesset consistently passed laws to allow the, the, the allow the states to be able to deal within the law with illegal migrants that most of them did not have what's the word um, they're not refugees they're not refugees they were coming for not running away for, for economic reasons and and the Supreme Court knocked down the law and the Supreme Court and again it went back to the to the Parliament to rewrite it according to whatever reason and again the new law knocked down the law and for this reason Israel is stuck with I don't know how many hundred thousand illegal migrants with with even though those who really need asylum according to law and there is a process can receive that but majority of them are illegal and the reason the state of Israel cannot deal with them and each time an agreement was even made with with foreign, with African countries to take them back, it was the Supreme Court because it was petition that stopped the government from even enforcing agreements made with foreign countries. Can you go more into that detail for people to understand that as well? So, so you described it very good, but but again, people don't rem- don't remember, don't think about it. That migration is a worldwide problem. It's not. We, Israel did not invent the wheel, as you say in Hebrew. I don't know if you say it in English too. No, yeah. But Israel did not. Did, it's not a com- It's not unique to Israel. And in Australia, for example, they had a re- really big problem with my with, Im- with illegal immigrants, and they changed the law and they built a a, a, a place to check the asylum seekers. But did not let the asylum. They, it's easier for them because they don't have a land border with anyone. It's easier for them. But uh, um, the second they they made their um, immigration laws tighter and they found a solution that people that come and s- and uh, claim that they are asylum seekers do not immediately go within the country and within the society and blend and mix and then uh, create the problem of sl- uh, of of slums and and create the problem of uh, uh, low uh, low income citizens that are being pushed out of work and other problems that are again worldwide the second they changed the, their law the problem stopped and went to other places Either went to other places in Africa or in uh, Asia or in, uh, in the U.S. or in Europe, but the the ability to build a wall of a law, not a wall, physical wall. We also built a physical wall. Wall who created a, a, a better solution, but the ability to create a law that says stop, you cannot enter. It's not in, it's not automatically that you are getting all the benefits by just passing the border. This is a, a very important way to deal with this problem. And Israel tried three times in three consecutive years to pass laws. And it passed right and left. And some of the laws passed with 80 Knesset members supported. It's not, it's not something... Oh, all, all three passed with vast majority, you're saying? Most of them. Some of them were... But most of them passed. And the, and, and the court just said, no, it's not okay. And it's not okay not because there is some higher law that prevents it. The court just decided like that. Thirty-six months to hold them in a in a in a place until until their um, their asylum request is being processed. No, no, no. That's not good enough. It's it's preventing them for from uh, from uh, developing their uh, how did they say tachbivim uh, um, their hobbies. Yeah, that's what the court says. If you if that you was their language because yeah, yeah. they're in a, a, a an asylum. Uh, uh, yeah, if you hold them in a place again, it's not it's not a prison. It's not. A, it's, it's it's a place that sh- they should be there. They're getting food. If they are running away from from uh, and looking for asylum, and they're getting a roof over their head and and food and some and some something to do with their time, what more can they ask? You're running away for your life. You should you should be thankful. No, but if you're ru- looking for job and you want to send money back home, that will be harsh for you. No, the court says no. If you if you put them there, and it's somewhere in the Negev. 
they cannot pursue their hobbies. Is that the court words? So, 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 a thirty-six months is too much. Why? Because the court decided twenty months too much, eighteen months too much, twelve months okay. Why? Who knows? Right, and again, Who the knows? point you're making: they're not using any law yeah. to make their decisions. Yeah, it's they, just. It's just. I think that it's. 30, 36 months is better, is, is not good, and eight, 12 months is okay, and there is no higher law. We don't have a constitution saying that putting people in this kind of a, of a camp until they, 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 uh, they, their asylum request is being processed is illegal. Is, is, it's non-constitutional. There is nothing. It's like a vague idea that the court decides, oh, I don't want, I don't think, I think it's too much. Why? And, and of course, because of this problem, the southern part of, parts of Tel Aviv became a place no one wants to live in. Nice. The, the, the low-income uh, uh, Israeli citizens that live there, uh, their life became hell. And, 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 the, and the court really did not care. Did not care. In, again, zero accountability. When when you talk to the court and they they say, "Oh, our, we have our we have, we feel for you." This uh, I, I represented in one of the cases. I represented people from South Tel Aviv, and they went to the court. We feel for you. It's sad, but we cannot uh, we cannot do anything. Ah, okay. So who should solve our problems? You make the problems, and b- when the government and the Knesset try to solve the problem, you make it worse. Right. No, you've made a very important point. The, the illegal migrant issue in Israel, which is creating havoc for Israelis in those low-income communities, the hell that they're living with is the fault of the Supreme Court for not allowing the government to come up with the legal solutions necessary, and it's just a, f- a problem that festers and it's creating more and, and more And when problems. you compare Israeli solutions to, uh, to solutions that, exam- I started with Australia, but all, also other countries, when you compare the solutions, you would say, okay, I would agree, maybe, that if Israel would say anyone who passes the border illegally, he's being shot. Okay, that might be a problem if you if you think that uh, we have a right for life and you are, you are killing everyone who's coming. That's a problem, right? But Israeli's laws are more humane and more uh, um, much more easier on the illegal immigrants than most countries. Right. And still, the Supreme Court did not allow it and said it's unconstitutional based on wh- whoever what who knows. And again, it was. And the sad thing is that the the appeals all these appeals to the supreme court were found were funded by people from europe by countries from europe and basically they wanted they had their uh, um uh, go- the governments in europe had the interest of israel uh, serving as a buffer because every every immigrant from africa that comes and stops in israel did not arrive in to europe. europe so they paid they paid ngos in israel to petition the court repeatedly, repeatedly, and disrupting Israeli immigration policies, so, so they wouldn't have wouldn't have to deal yeah. with the problems. So it's it's a cynical world that we can we can live with when you are, we are talking about foreign relations. We know that foreign relations sometimes have cynic, some cynicism in it, but you don't allow a foreign country to intervene in your justice system in order to disrupt your elected government policy. And that's what happened here. So I want to come back to that point, but I want to, st- before that, um, I wanted to stay with the illegal uh, migrant situation, because if I'm not mistaken, and, and f- forgive me if I'm going in this direction, if you don't want to deal with it, tell me, I think it was just a l- last week or two, jumping to America, um, uh, a federal court in America overruled, a, uh, an ex- I don't know whether it was a law or an executive order by President Trump, allowing cities or states not to have to take in illegal Migrants. If you're not familiar, we want to talk again, about Again, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm not... And again, you have to remember, in the U.S., it's also a problem that the courts, lower courts, higher courts, disrupt gov- governmental uh, um, policy. It happens. But there, it's very clear who can appeal to, what, to which courts. You cannot... Uh, uh, as you, have, as you need to have a legal standing... In order to appeal, you ha- need to have a, a real case, not theoretical. Right, here in Israel, and anyone can just decide to bring an appeal, a, a case to the Supreme Court. And if for, for some reason someone in the Supreme Court thinks that it's in the Constitution to prevent, 
you have a mechanism to even change the constitution. It, not, it doesn't happen a lot, but there is a way to change the constitution. When you have a made-up constitution, that the court and just... Israel does not have a constitution. That, we, we just have basic laws. That and the courts just invent stuff when, as they go. You cannot change something that is not written. You cannot have a mechanism to change the minds of the judges. And even now, when the, when this, when the, the Israeli Knesset added... A basic law I was going to go there, yeah. uh, on on the na- Israel as a nation, nation state, state of the Jewish people, which is a basic law that passed in sixty one majority. Just remember the old basic laws passed in thirty two Knesset members. It's not never passed right. a majority. Again, Israel's Knesset is one hundred twenty parliament members, and uh, and for a law to pass, usually you need a majority. You just need a regular majority. Regular majority. So the first basic laws that passed twenty some odd years ago were passed just with thirty thirty two to twenty one, for right? example. Okay, and now for whatever reason they are. Is it? it, it it's not. It's not. It's not. Uh, um, you don't have to. You don't have but to. But the Knesset w- wanted to make sure that the the Supreme Court will understand that this basic law is serious. So right, they the passed it in law. sixty-one votes in all three readings. It's right. not only one reading. Right. All three readings passed with sixty-one votes. And even with that, even with that, the Supreme Court have. Uh, um, an 11 judges panel in Israel, they, it's not all the judges fit in all the cases, 11 judges panel, which means a big panel in the Supreme Court that wants to debate the, debate the issue, is the legality the, of the nation state law. Is the nation state law legal? Now, according to what standard, if you, if you look, and that's what the court said for all those years, that the basic laws are basically part of Israeli constitution. And, and so... Just imagine the Supreme Court of the U.S. saying, oh, we don't like this part of the Constitution. We will delete it because we don't like it. Based on what yeah. standard? Yeah. Uh, so uh, Again, just to clarify what Simcha is saying, you have to understand, I mean, again, I cry. It's like it's so clear the hypocrisy of, of the judicial establishment screams to high heavens. Here you go, all these years, Aaron Barak himself and all of his uh, cronies have always said, basic law can't be touched. Right? A basic law that's part of Israel's constitutional but it can't be touched, can't be changed, nothing. All of a sudden, a nation-state law, which makes Israel's national identity and, and symbols part of the law so that outside forces can't change the makeup of Israel's DNA as a Jewish state, all of a sudden, Aaron Barak and his crony said, No, this law, even though it's a basic law, we, we can possibly make changes or even cut down... Because I don't know why. I don't know why. And that's, and now they're starting to talk. Maybe the Declaration of Independence of Israel, maybe that's the source. Okay, so the Declaration of Independence does not have the word democratic in it. It has the word Jewish again and again and again and again. And so even that doesn't matter because they don't really look for a, a, um, a legal document. They are looking for a way to justify the rule of judges. And once you moved from the rule of law to the rule of judges, you have no democracy, you have no rule of law, and basically you and, and, the, and you have, in Israel, you don't have uh, a working legal system. So even on, on the civil cases, people are waiting for, for decades for a, ver- for a ruling because there is no, you, can, you can't tell what the law is until it gets to the judge. You go to a lawyer, a civil lawyer, and tell them what will be the outcome of this case. Now, usually, lawyer, good lawyer, can look at the laws and the precedents and say, according to the law and the precedents, the outcome is 80% will be this, 90% will be this. In Israel, you cannot do it. It's a lottery game every time you go to the court because judges can decide with regardless of law, regardless of precedent, just because they want to. And that's basically, that's why uh, uh, businesses, Israel doing business uh, ranking around the world is going down because of the... Because they're always changing the laws. You don't know what the law is going to be. Yeah, yeah. Based on the whims of whatever judges are yeah, judging the and case. The, and, and now the gas, the natural gas in Israel right. that finally came out, it was delayed for almost six years. Years just because of the of uh, Israel lost billions and billions of shekels because of this because because the gas prices six years ago and seven years ago were so much higher than it's today. So if the gas was re- ready to be sold six years ago, it made much more it money. Much more money for the state right. of Israel, again, and it, it was, was delayed by the Supreme Court again, petitions. petitioned by the left wing organizations and left wing ideology just to 
disrupt Israeli policy from taking place. By the way, with your permission, B'Shem Amro, I love that term you used before. I never heard it before. I'm going to use it also. It's not. It's not the. It's not the law. It's not the rule, rule of law. It's the rule of judges emphasizing that it's the individual judges based on their own value system making legal decisions not based on any law. And and it, it's and and people also there are many lies, small lies or big lies that the justice system in Israel tells the Israeli public and around the world trying to claim oh that's not so bad. One of them is we did not cancel so much law, so many laws. That's one big lie because you don't even count the laws that were never enacted in the first place because of the threats of of, of right. The, like the I said, Supreme attorney ge- right, attorney generals of ministry as they basically tell the attorney the, the the minister, oh, you want to pass, you want to bring that law to the floor? Sorry, I'm I'm not going to approve it. I won't let you take it. And because Bagatz won't approve it, right? Supreme Court will knock it down, and that stops laws from even giving to the Knesset floor. <laughs> And the second line is they say, oh, the Supreme Court intervenes only in in 4% of the cases, 5% of the cases, 3% of the cases. But people don't understand. I'll ask you a question. How many cases get to the American Supreme Court every year? Very few. How many? I have no clue. Uh, 50. 60 to 100. That's the average. Okay, depends on the year. I think the one year was 200, like 40, 50 years ago, which was very rare. Usually it's between 60 and 100 cases. All right, here we go. How, How many, many cases in Israel? in Israel? Hundreds, maybe even thousands. Try 10,000, 15,000. Yeah, it depends on the year. Oh, Okay, my God. so if the court, if the Israeli court intervened in 1% from 10,000 cases, how much is it? 100. It's more than the cases, more cases... The court intervenes. Then the whole case, the whole number, the number, the cases that the Supreme Court of the U.S. deals with totally. deals with totally, not intervenes. So that is one percent. That it's one percent. If it's four percent, double the numbers four times. It's and 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 even the when, even when the court does not say anything, just by the process can change the government decision because the court hints or the court says, I will delete this appeal if you will re- re- um, go back on your ideas, on your policy. So it's it, really the Supreme Court is involved in almost every little detail or aspect in Israeli policy. So when you go and people go to the U.S. or c- people come to Israel and they want to meet with a Knesset member or they want to meet with a minister, what, what does a Knesset member or a minister can do? They they are powerless. Usually, they they have less power than even the the legal advisor of the gov of their of their ministry. Right. So so that's that's a big problem. So I wanted I I, I want to focus on something which we touched upon. Most of the conversation has been about the, specifically the Supreme Court. We touched upon how attorney generals of of government ministries are also part of the problem. Basically, instead of them just being uh, advisors to the ministries and the ministers. They have basically usurped power and basically been the one to approve or disapprove anything a minister does. But can you go more into how it's the it's an issue with the whole judicial system? You're also talking you're also talking about um, uh, uh, the, the 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 committee to choose judges because on that committee you have a majority that are either part of the Supreme Court or owe their future to the judges part of the Supreme Court, and, and, and other aspects also showing that it's a widespread issue of the, of the judicial system and not just the Supreme Court. Okay, so, so of course, and as I, I spoke before on the civil cases, for example, and this, uh, um, the, uh, the fact that the Supreme Court deals, deals with so many cases creates such a problem with all the lower courts in the civil cases and, and in the criminal cases. How does it create problems Be- for the lower courts? Because f- if, if you want to appeal, you have to wait in line because the court deals with so many issues that is not his business from the fir- on for the fir- from the first place. So, for example, someone sat in the in in jail waiting for his appeal to be heard and to be re- basically he was released, at, but he was sitting in jail for six years until his case was heard. And these so six years, the Knesset, the court dealt three times with the immigration laws. 
which you shouldn't have in the first place. Right. Because and that took a lot of time, and a lot of uh, a lot of judges were involved, and everyone wrote his dissertation on that. It was like six hundred pages uh, verdicts, and every they have time for everything. But the small person who sits in jail and waiting for his appeal to be heard, right? So that's a big problem. He gets problem. screwed. Okay. Yeah, of course. But also, as you said, okay, so again, another common uh, uh, reply I get, so choose better judges. If the judges, your judges are so bad, why, why do you keep appointing them? And people don't understand that in Israel, the, the mechanism for, cha- for appointing judges at, uh, at large and also Supreme Court judges is a committee of nine, and the majority of this committee is not elected officials. You know, in the U.S., some in the in the states, in many states, people elect their judges directly, right? You vote for the judge, but in the federal system, people the 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 president nominates and then the Senate approves. That's and that's basically in most countries around the world. There is a new research by Kohelet Policy Forum. We had a research a year ago on that, but a new research just recently uh, by by another organization, Kohelet Policy Forum. Um, the shows that basically that's the system around the world. In Israel, the committee of nine that have three Supreme Court judges, two members of the bar, which are usually made of the same uh, ideology and, and, and profession because they're lawyers, they want to be appointed to the Supreme Court in some sometime around their life or to lower courts, so they, they are basically part of the same system. Right, they owe their future to the other judges, so, so they don't want to necessarily yeah. vote against the other judges. So there are five, and then you have two ministers and two Knesset members, when usually one of the Knesset members is from the opposition, usually. So you have the majority of Israel, the majority of the elected officials represented in the committee of nine by three people, and if you count the opposition, then all the elected officials in Israel, opposition and coalition, are four out of nine, which means, and for the best uh, part of the, of the seven, last 70 years, even if all elected officials, left and right, objected to a certain appointment, he could be appointed to the Supreme Court, even if all the minister and the Knesset members say, it's a crazy appointment, don't appoint it. No, he, was, he would be appointed. In 2007, they changed the law, and Baruch Hashem, we have a mutual veto that in order to appoint someone to the Supreme Court, you need seven out of nine, which means the Supreme Court, three judges can block anyone who they don't want. But from the other hand, the elected officials can block someone if they don't want. So it's a little bit better than it used to be, but it's so much, so much worse. And you, and you have a veto of the current sitting legal uh, 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 justice, justices. You, they can veto whoever comes and join the ranks, right? So basically, we have a self-duplicating, self-appointing Supreme Court. Friend, friend brings a friend uh, system. And is it all right if I bring in a, if I bring in Ruth Gavison? Because she was someone I think from from for, again from my little knowledge, people say that she is second to Aaron Barak in terms of a legal mind in, in Israel, or, or definitely up there. And she was denied, or, or she knew she'd be denied, and therefore... Re- she, was to- de- she was denied by, the, by Aaron Barak. Aaron Barak said, I will not let her be appointed. But she, and she's and, more of a conservative-minded and, judge. And he said, because she has an agenda. She wants the court not to rule Israel. Hmm, what a strange agenda. And he blocked her appointment. And did he, of did course, he use that actual language. Yeah, she can't be appointed because she has an agenda. Yeah, that's his language. Yeah, the Supreme Court justice, as if he does not have an agenda. Of course, he. Where, has. where is everyone screaming? Well, you have an agenda. Well, you shouldn't be allowed to push your agenda. Why you? Yes, and, she not. And he appointed all his friends, of course, and his his uh, minions uh, that were continuing his legacy, and she was blocked. And he also, after a few years, he lied about it, of course, but there was evidence anyway. It's. The system, and he appointed his wife to be uh, uh, in, in the in the uh, work relations uh, court to be to be the higher position. We have a, a, a small video on that by by uh, by Meshilot that we, we showed how the it was appointed. A friend brings a friend, as you said, a family member. It, it's like a small family, and they treat themselves as the family, and they don't let anyone in their marriage into their family. That's the terms that they are using. That's the way they behave in the Supreme Court, 
and that creates a big deficit in Israeli democracy. As we showed, it, it creates a problem in the housing market, it creates a problem when you talk about the identity of the state, nation-state law, it creates a problem who can go to the Knesset, yes or no. We saw, we are going to see in the, in the following days, that people that try to go into the Knesset and they are terror-supporting, sometimes the court approves, usually the court approves uh, people who support actually acts of terror that support it and they and they shouldn't be allowed in the Knesset according to the basic law of the Knesset and the court allowed them and just say oh that's uh, no the, the law did not really and mean again, that and again someone from the side again the law right that, that's, 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 that's the most infuriating thing the, there is a law on the books that defines who and who cannot serve as a Knesset member and these, unfortunately, majority have been Arab Knesset members and one or all of the different Arab parties, including Balad, um, that, according to law, have gone against the law and therefore should not be able to serve. And the Knesset votes on it, and then it gets to this to this justice panel, and the justice panel totally disregards the law and allows them to be voted and part of the Knesset you, anyway. You mentioned Balad, for example. The law says, the basic law of the Knesset says, if you are um, uh, objecting the Jewish identity of the state of Israel, then you cannot run to the Knesset. Balad introduced a law canceling the law of return, meaning you're, you're here, if you see us in America, a law that allows you to come to Israel and become citizens because citizen, it's the Jewish state, the Jewish the Jewish state the ballad wanted to uh, 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 cancel this law. Now that's the textbook example of what makes Israel a Jewish state. The law of returns that Israel is the safe haven for every Jew around the world that is being uh, prosecuted or, 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 or harassed because he's Jew. He, he can come to Israel and we will accept him and he will become a citizen of Israel. That's basic aspect of Israel as a Jewish state. Ballad introduced a law that wants to cancel it. That's a textbook to be uh, uh, disqualified from running to the Knesset. The court does not care. I will be very surprised. If there, we'll, we'll hear this debate in days. the next few days. I will be very surprised if the court will do it. Now they, uh, 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 very someone. Uh, You're referring to yeah the the, Yazbek, the, the Knesset member right, from Balad. Right, the t- right now, right now there is uh, just giving some uh, background. There is a Knesset member in this same party. I don't even know how to pronounce her name. Hiba Yazbak. Hiba Yazbak, a female Knesset member who has made posts on Facebook publicly, publicly... Um, uh, praising uh, terrorists. Praising terrorists for killing Jews, right? Out there, public since then, she's taken them down. Even parliament Knesset members on the left have come out in support of her being denied the ability to serve as a Knesset member because it's just so blatant and out there. Um, and it's going to be brought before the justices. And from what I'm hearing, correct me if I'm wrong, everyone's saying they will be shocked. They, on the one hand, they would be shocked if the justices agreed to let her serve. On the other hand, they wouldn't be shocked because they're just going to be pushing the, pushing the public's trust in them further, further down. Yeah, and we have examples from the past that the court really allowed people that did even worse things than Hibai Azbak serving the Knesset. So, so I don't know if the court... If the court will have the... Uh, I, I don't even try to interpret what the court will do legally. I am trying... It's not, it's not legal. It's not legal. It's not legal. I am trying to, to uh, maybe see if the court politically will be smart enough to, to disqualify Hibay Azbak, and then he will have the excuse, oh, see, we, we disqualified her. Maybe it will be a first. It will be a first, and we have examples of Knesset members using their parliamentary immunity to, uh, uh, for treason. For really treason for allowing missiles of the Hezbollah, showing them where to shoot, like crazy, crazy wow. things, and the court allowed it. So, so I will be very surprised, based on the precedent of the Supreme Court, if they will disqualify Hibai Azbak. And but if they will, they will do it only for political reasons. I don't, right. I don't think any other reason because because they they disregard the law. Without uh, without uh, thinking twice. Listen, I don't want to end this interview before asking you what the solution is. What are the solutions you're working on? But I have one more issue to deal with before we get to solutions. Okay. And that is the legal situation of Prime Minister uh, Bibi Netanyahu. I have been saying for years that it is a witch hunt. That it is uh, that it is that taking Bibi Netanyahu down is the culmination of a judicial coup. 
um, that, that of Aaron Barak and all of his cronies celebrating because that, that shows their ultimate success, taking down the strongest right-wing prime minister ever, even though I have my own issues about how right-wing he has been or held to be, but he's definitely been the strongest yet. Uh, can you go more into detail, because I don't have all the details and there's so much detail, but on a high-level detail explaining how, what's really going on behind uh, Netanyahu's legal cases? Okay, so first we need to know that... Is he really a criminal that deserves to be taken down as prime minister? No, okay. but that's the short answer is no. But, but the, the long answer is, I, am, I don't support the views that they are half after him because he's right-wing. They are after him because they are after prime minister. Any prime minister. And Aaron Barak, you mentioned, started it in 77 with Itzhak Rabin. Right. It's not, it's, it's now, because the public in Israel is mostly right-wing, and the elected officials are mostly right-wing in the past decade or two, then it's, if you go after elected officials, you go after the right. That's true. But the idea is power to the judiciary, power to the legal system. And, and elected officials are disrupting the good order of things that the that power will be in the justice system. So the justice system made it a main mission to take down a prime minister. It's the big prize. Usually, when you go in the criminal cases, you're looking for the biggest criminal, right? You know, what is a state evidence agreement goes for? State evidence, as you said, I am willing to even get let you get away with murder. You go to right. a, someone in the mob and you tell them you you murdered, right? But you murdered because someone else told you, right? The big the big uh, uh, crook is the head of the mafia, right? Admit, sign, we'll get you into the witness protection system, right? And we'll take down the big mobster, right? right. That's the idea behind state evidence. You see from the cases around Netanyahu that they didn't look for the uh, big criminal. They look for the prime minister. If we get the prime minister, it doesn't matter how petty the, the, the claim is or isn't, that's the big prize. You, Basically, they, they drew the, the, the target, and then afterwards they drew the... Yeah. And, and you have, and you, have uh, you say, 1,000, 2,000, and 4,000. Right. They, the I mean, they, they already know. They, yeah. I mean, I used to say that to me, wait a second, if they're calling a case 1,000, 2,000, that, that means it's a system. They have a system in place already yeah. to build more cases. It's not like they have a case, oh, let's take it all the way and take what it down. What number is missing? Right. What number is missing? 1,000, 2,000, 4,000. What number is missing? Oh, 3,000. 3,000. 3,000 is the, the, the submarine. That was the case. submarines. That they Submarine. built up to be the biggest. The biggest. Take him down. Uh, yeah, and he's a traitor, right? He he, he, danger, he endangered Israeli security for... The, and, and for they, buying submarines for from buying Germany, submarine, right? Like his for, own cronies got money. I don't know. Buying submarines for Germany, allowing the Egypt to buy uh, uh, submarines, whatever. And they didn't find anything on him in those cases. But they st- signed the state evidence agreement with someone called Ganor. And you read the case, and you see that Ganor, by far, is the worst criminal in the case. And you never sign a state evidence agreement with the worst criminal. He is—he was the one who, who, allegedly, of course, he was the one who introduced the bribery. He was the one who, who got the bribery. He got the money from it. And they signed a state evidence agreement with him. Why? Because they wanted to take down Netanyahu. That even in the best case, they didn't find even that. But even in the best case scenario, he would be like on the very low level involvement in this issue. And they were willing to allow someone who endangered Israeli security, who got bribery, who exposed Israeli secrets to the world, and Ganor. everything, Ganor, allegedly, and they were willing to let him go if they will, if we, if we, if they will give them little dirt about Netanyahu. He didn't give them even that because there was nothing on Netanyahu. But that's the case. So you see from case 3000, what was 1000, 2000, 4000 are all about. So that's like a big picture issue. In the small picture, you see 2,000 and 4,000 are talking about getting positive media. There is no precedent in the history of the democracies around the world. Someone is being prosecuted, politician, for wanting positive media. Positive media, that's the way democracy works. If I, if I will tell you now, you have a, you have a media, right? right? You have audience. And you will say here online, you will say, listen, Netanyahu. If you will do good things, in my view, if you will uh, um, um, take down Khan al-Akhmar, and if you will build a new settlement, 
I will sit here all day and praise you. And if you will do bad things from my point of view, I will sit here and bash you, bash you from, from morning, from dusk to dawn. That's uh, bribery. There is a quid pro quo, right? You told him, if you will do this, I will do this. That's a bribery. Now, go to jail and he will go to jail because that's what you said. No, that's democracy. That's how free media works. That's not... So even if, even if someone in the media told Netanyahu, you will do what I want and I will praise you, that's the way democracy works. You can say it's ugly, you can say it's not good, I think it's okay, but it doesn't matter. That's not criminal. And the whole idea behind those cases is they want to criminalize politics because once you you define positive media as a criminal act, you can put in jail every politician you want, right? If you can put in jail every politician you want, you're ruling the country. But you know what's interesting? Because again, most of the, of the established media in Israel is left or le- left-leaning journalists and editors, etc., etc. If, if that would be, be set up as a precedent... It wouldn't just be the politicians pulled into courts and thrown into jail. It would be journalists who would be pulled, subpoenaed, and and, and, and and convicted and thrown into jail because they were part of the bribe as well. And, and you don't hear a peep out of any of the mainstream journalists saying, no way, because that kills their career because they can't print anything without having 100% permission signed and sealed to make sure it's not bribery and no, pro- no, no and secret in information. Case how, do you know, how do you know it's secret or, or who gave it to you? Meaning it, it, it totally destroys the careers of journalists. And in case 2000, one of the being the person the persons who are being cr- prosecuted is Noni Moses. He is the publisher of Yediot Achonot, the largest newspaper in Israel. I say he's... When you read what he did, he's not a nice person. I wouldn't maybe invite him to my uh, wedding because he's not a, a nice person, the way he behaves, the way he runs his businesses, okay? But I don't think he should... Uh, a, 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 publi- a publisher of a newspaper who is trying to use the power of the newspaper to influence policy, that's a fair game. I don't like the policy he tried to push forward, but that's a fair game. I, I'm not, I don't think anyone will suspect that I have the same ideology as Noni Moses. Okay, but I don't think he should he should be prosecuted, not because of Netanyahu, because of because of what right. that's what democracy is. So and and everything around those cases and the way they threaten state witnesses and the, the everything you touch in those cases is screaming coup. It's but again, it's not a coup against the right. Interesting. It's a coup against the public. It's a coup against the elected officials and what they represent. It's, it, it, in Israel, they represent the right, which right. is a, a, a good thing. Right. But well, go, going back to case 2000, and then we'll finish up and go to the solutions. Um, if I'm not mistaken, here again, case 2000, for those who are not unfamiliar, it's about it, uh, that's Israel Hayom. That's the case yeah. of Israel Hayom, right? About uh, 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 prosecuting Netanyahu for, 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 bribing Noni Mo- for him bribing Noni Moses in order to get positive coverage, so that then they would close down uh, Israel. Yeah, he's not being prosecuted newspaper. on bribery on those, in this case because he didn't. Ne- he never ever pushed forward the law. He just told Noni Moses that he might push forward the law just because he didn't want Noni Moses during election time to go against to him. go against him. Right. That's and that's like a breach of trust because the person who threatened him and and tried to blackmail him into pushing forward the law and he did not. He did not tell him, no, I won't do it. That's a bribery. That's not a bribery. That's a breach of trust to the to the person who is in charge of bribery. In charge right. of bribery. It's uh, crazy. But, but just to even more, the, even more hypocrisy that I that I've been pointed out to and I've been um, talking about is that in that same case, you're talking about Aitin Kabel. You're talking about Yair Lapid. You're talking about left-wing politicians that supported taking down Yisrael Hayom. That they are not being that cases against them, especially Ethan Kabul. There was a case against him that has more clear evidence of of breach of trust, of even bribery, of bribery than the Netanyahu case. But the justices threw that case out. Not the justices, the, the legal advisors, the legal the, advisors, the, the, the prosecution. The prosecution threw that case out. So again, you see, to me, you see the hypocrisy. And here, based on an ideological agenda, in order, we'll 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 take a, a case with very few. 
pieces of evidence to take down. We want to take Netanyahu down Netanyahu. We'll we don't care. We don't. We that's we, the issue. Same, right. We won't care about the. We don't care about anything thing. else. We want to take down the sitting prime minister because that's the big prize. We're focused on the prize. We're not looking. We're not. We we won't let you distract us. And just recently, just last week, it was discovered that usually, if the claim is that there was a bribery in the 4,000 case. There was a bribery that Bezek got a huge benefit. That was the, 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 the saying. Netanyahu herded everyone in Israel because we paid much more and, the, and Bezek made billion shekels of profit because of this bribery. That was the claim. And it, it's very unusual when a, uh, a company in Israel is gaining a, mil, a billion shekels from bribery that they don't take the money in the, in the civil... Uh, um, um, there is a Courts? no. There is when when someone is bribery, the 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 government can take the money, even without a, a long process. Okay. Just by gr- taking the Just money, put the a money. Lean, putting a lien on the money immediately because it's a billion shekels that apparently is supposed to be to the uh, taxpayers. Uh, taxpayers' money. So why? And they didn't prosecute Bezek. Which also very very rare is that you prosecute the head of Bezek Alovich and you don't prosecute the company. It's very rare. It's I, I don't know of any example of that. And 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 uh, I, I would think why? Because if you would try to put this fake claims over Bezek, which is a multi-billion shekels organization, they will have all the lawyers in the world ruining your ruining your case immediately. But if you want to go after Netanyahu, you don't want this distraction. So you didn't prosecute the companies who gained wow. billions of shekels, wow. allegedly. So it's not really a case. That's what my view. Wow. All right. So let's 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 come to the end. Solution. Here we're talking. Here we're talking solutions. It's just again to frame it for everyone. Based on everything we're talking about, we're referring to uh, what's been going on in Israel. There's a judicial coup that's been taking on. One of the main pushers, if not the one who started it, was ju- former Justice Minister, Supreme Court Justice Minister Aaron Barak. And you're talking about an, Im- an imbalance of powers where the judicial, uh, the judicial branch of the Israeli uh, governance has usurped powers of the legislative and the executive. So I'm framing the question this way. What, therefore, are the solutions you propose to allow for the rebalancing of of the three uh, branches of of governance, so that we can go back to normalcy, where the public can have a trust once again in the judicial that it's not about their their own agendas, um, uh, and we can have policies that we actually vote for when we're voting for uh, parties. So, so f- I think the most important one is to change the way we appoint judges. You need to change the way to have it more like in the U.S combination of government of of uh, of the government and the Knesset not uh, a self-appointing self-perpetuating court i think it's one major important change that you need to to introduce to the israeli system you need to have uh, um, very clear that if you don't have legal standing you cannot go to the court and that will prevent all these problems that we said 15000 or 10000 cases every year going to the supreme court it will. It will only. Meaning, if only you, if you're connected. If you're to connected the case, to the can case, can you appeal to the yeah, Supreme Court? Yeah, and that's a, a, a very a major difference. You need to have uh, um, a very specific uh, rules when the when the court can cancel Knesset laws. I think that the best solution is the court will never be able to to cancel Knesset laws. Some people would say, oh, maybe in these cases, but then the Knesset can override it. What you called piscata the board, an override mechanism. I prefer. No, uh, because the court of Israel is not elected and is not appointed by elected officials. The current court, it's not, it, it has, and we don't have a written constitution and we don't have a mechanism to change the con- constitution. I don't think it makes sense to let the court change the laws to be the legislator. So that's a, a b- another big change. You need to empower the Knesset. You need to give the Knesset more power and the government more power when you're talking about legal advisors. You need to separate the roles of the legal advisor. The legal advisor in Israel is the most mm-hmm. uh, a strong uh, entity in the democratic world. He can, he's, he's, 
he can block the government from getting legal advisory. He can block the government from getting legal representation. He can uh, uh, just decide he's not enforcing laws. Whatever. He can do whatever he wants. You need to separate the roles and have more governability in the government and in the Knesset. The Knesset will be able to uh, enact laws that the public sees fit and the, and the government can apply policy that the, go that the public sees fit. And, and the legal advisor will, will be, as their name suggests, legal Just advisors an and not legal deciders or legal rulers. So, so uh, we have more, but I think if you, if you introduce those uh, three or four major uh, changes, uh, the others are more uh, um, uh, small points, which can change a lot, but, uh, but uh, smaller. Separation of power of the legal advisor, changing the way you appoint judges, and disqualifying certain issues from getting even to the court as it, as it goes around the world. Trying to make it Israeli system where we, we are the smartest people in the world, but we, with our system is by far not the smartest system. So let me just, uh, following up on that, we have been the closest ever to actually trying to enact some of those changes. Uh, we had Ayel uh, uh, Chaked as justice minister, I believe the most successful justice minister as historically that I can think of in terms of actually making changes in the right direction. I believe the major changes she, was, she succeeded in making were persona changes of getting more conservative justices in the system, working with the system, not breaking the rules or being allowed to make the necessary changes. Now we have Amir Ochana certainly trying to make changes that he can in a, in, a, in a this temporary government so he doesn't have all the powers. How close are we to coming to actually having the legislative and executive support to actually come forward and have, have, have those changes? Because Bibi has not allowed those changes mm. to be made up until mm. now. The question is, will he now? Yeah, okay. So, so before you asked about Netanyahu's cases, uh, Netanyahu is, I don't think he... He's guilty in what they're charging him with, but he's definitely guilty of not changing the system. He's definitely guilty of blocking anyone else trying to change the system. Maybe now he will be less... I don't believe he will be the leader of the change. That's my personal view. But I believe he might block a little less. And there may be some changes if we have in the next election... Uh, 61 majority in the Knesset that supports those changes. It's it's uh, and we have a working government wh which we don't have for the last. And we have to remember this re-election and re-election after re-election that we have in Israel is also court-made. Yeah, I've spoken about that. Yes, go for it's it. It's also court-made. Yep. So the court basically weakened the systems, weakened the Knesset, weakened the government, and then you don't have anyone who stand up against it. Because we have, going now to the third election, one of the main issues is the draft law. The draft law that the Knesset solved this issue, which a is a problem, which is a problematic issue. Whenever you wait to want to look at it, the, the clash between the ultra-Orthodox and the army and whatever, everything is a mess there. But the, 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 the Knesset solved three times. We had laws solving this issue, and three times the court canceled the solution that the Knesset arrived, throwing back this hot potato into this mess of politics and creating instability in the Knesset, going to election after election after election, and and the and the tension you have now between Lieberman and the ultra orthodox, and the tension it brings to the street and the and the hatred, and everything is court made. Right. You have to understand that is that the court method of operating is making you weak, so you won't be able to object it. That's the way. That's why they prosecute the right. elected officials. That's why they keep bringing the this. Uh, uh, problematic issues back and back to the Knesset, and the Knesset is being teared down by, by conflict right. and not getting to the agreement and to the policies that the people, for, people of Israel want. Right. Well, this is, for, uh, Simcha, thank you so much for, for, for your insight. I don't know how many of the people watching understand how critical this issue is. I mean, Simcha touched upon it, but just, just to sum up, just so you understand, again, Simcha was just referring to the draft law. You, you see the social tension in Israel between the ultra-Orthodox and, uh, and, and secular society in terms of army. And again, Parliament has solved this issue a number of times. The reason it is still a problem, the reason it is getting worse of a problem, is the fault of the Supreme Court for not allowing legislative solutions to be 
impl- implemented. They always knock down the laws. We spoke about the, the illegal migrant issue. South Tel Aviv and other cities in Israel have been flooded with, 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 these Ill- with illegal migrants that are not asylum seekers, totally ruining the life of, uh, of these low socioeconomic communities, people suffering, and the reason for these, ish- these problems and the suffering is at the footstep of the Supreme Court because the legislative executive have tried to solve those problems and the Supreme Court has stopped it. I'm a soldier. I serve reserve duty. I could also tell you on, this, on, the, on the defense level, as a soldier, the rules of engagement become harsher and harsher in order to, to shoot. Why? Because of the judicial why is the judicial getting involved of when a soldier should be able to shoot? But that is what's happening, and not just at the Supreme Court level, even though courses are brought there, cases are brought there, but also the justice attorney generals in the army are there from that same camp and making it harder and harder for us to be able to defend ourselves, whether me as my, my, my own standing as a soldier with my gun or as a unit, and then also in warfare. They've just totally taken, overtaken the, the agenda in terms of defense, where even our army is afraid of what we're allowed to do, what we're not allowed to do when we're trying to defend Israeli citizens, which don't only include Jews, they include Muslims, Christians, atheists, Buddhists, and the illegal migrants who also could be shot on as well. So one thing after another, the, the stumbling block to moving Israel forward is the Supreme Court that tries to make itself the torch of justice, where in a sense, and again, forgive me if this, these are my words and not yours, they are a torch of injustice and in the name of law, abusing the law justice in their hands to create injustice. And the, that's why the work of what Simcha is doing is so important. The work of this organization is so important. And again, it's not about neutering the judicial system. It's about rebalancing so that, again, anyone who understands American politics, three, three branches, executive, legislative, judicial, each one has its powers. Each one is able to, it has the rules of when they're able to get involved, when not. And there is a balancing act involved. And in Israel, they have usurped the powers. The judicial has usurped the power of the legislative and, and executive, and there is no balance. And that's why we have these issues. So, Simcha, thank you so much for all the wonderful work you're doing. That's thank the you very much. Thank you very much. All right. And guys, that's why you have to vote for the right parties that will enact the, the policies necessary to bring these changes so that we have a rebalancing and uh, to stop this injustice being done in the name of justice by the justice system. Thanks so much, everyone. Thanks for watching. Thank Signing you. off from the eternal and undivided capital of Jewish people, Jerusalem, in our eternal and ancestral homeland. Take care. Pulse of Israel, frontline videos from the Holy Land. Support our work by donating today.